Hi, welcome. Hi, welcome to Ways to Waste Your Money, where we teach you to enjoy your life to the fullest. Because every day could be your last. And I'd like to introduce our certified lifestyle researcher, Stephen Kime. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel. Um, yeah, so I've been in the field of enjoying the finer things in life for about 27 years now. Um, okay. And I have various um, certifications, accolades that I've received. Um, I've got an endorsement in Treat Yourself. Um, and I'm the top credit card researcher in the California area. Okay, so let's um, see how you became this expert in this lifestyle enjoyment. Um, it took a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, um, and a lot, a lot of credit cards. Awesome. So let's find out what your five top tips are for a more enjoyable life. Well, my number one thing. Never, ever make your coffee at home, oh, ever. No. Um, it takes too long, it'll make you late to work, and if you're late to work, you'll get fired and you don't make any money. Um, it tastes better and you get to see people. I mean, it's like yeah. a social experience before you even get to work, it's great. Yeah, it's I love hanging fun. out in the drive-through. That's my right, favorite part. Right, because then you can like blast your favorite songs. Like yeah. right now I'm loving Ariana Grande's new album. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's it's just it's too much fun. It's like thank you next. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. And you're next in the drive-thru. Um, number two, uh, never ever, and this is for all of our millenniums out there, millennias. Yeah. Millennias. Millennias. Um, buying houses, never ever, ever do more than a 15-year mortgage. It's, no. you could be dead in 30 years, first of all. Um, and in 15 years, you'll have more money to spend on clothes, coffee in the morning, yeah. um, going to Disneyland, you know. Or Disney World. Or Disney World, exactly. Like, you just will have more money. Like, it's really, like, it's a no-brainer to me. Yeah. So, how do you get a lower interest rate? Good question. Good question. I get that one a lot. Um, always do an adjustable rate loan. It's it's cheaper up front. It could, it could go up 10% in a few years. But, you know, that might not happen. It might happen. Cross that bridge when you get there. I mean, yeah. why live life worrying? I just, I don't. I like to live in the moment. That's Except why I would stay never do that. Yeah. present. Stay yeah. present. Yeah. Um, my next big tip, and this is good for all you business owners and business starters out there, um, never, ever pay someone to do your taxes. Oh, God, no. It's such a waste of money. Why bother going to a CPA that spent countless hours in school learning how to file taxes the correct way when you can just... Do it yourself. And if you're a business owner, you can deduct everything. The IRS will never know. Um, and it saves you money in the long run. I mean, yeah. why not? Yeah. So when I do my taxes every year, I just go through every receipt I have. I like to deduct everything. Because it's like, I spend right. that money. So right. why would they like try to tax me on it? You're getting gas. Yeah. You think about work while you're filling your gas tank. Yeah. Deduct it. That's a, yeah. that's a business expense. Exactly. Done and done. Um, number four. This is a good one too, this is for all my millenniums out there. Starting families, getting married. Um, never pay more than $50 a month for life insurance. It's an absolute waste of money. Oh, yeah. uh, why would you bother putting money in someone else's pocket? You'll never see that death benefit. Um, and it's just not fair to you, you know? Yeah. You're working hard for that money, you wanna spend it, right? Yeah, so I'd say like, why would you even get it in the first place? But I get it. The it's true, society. I mean, you can't be totally selfish. You have to kind of like, live for other people a little bit. I mean, those are your it's kids, like, but oh, I mean, okay. you know, while you're alive, you can spend that extra money on clothes for them. I mean, it's, yeah. again, win-win here. I mean, not that hard. Yeah. Um, and my last one, this is my favorite one. Um, always put everything on a points credit card. I mean, 
it boggles my mind why people don't don't do this i mean it's free money you can get airline miles cash back yeah. um you, you should get a card for every store you go to i'm, I'm talking macy's i'm talking jc penny nordstrom target starbucks even has oh, a credit my card my favorite now. bloomingdale's yeah. they have great prices they have great prices yeah. i mean it's it's unbeatable basically um, and again, it's free money. And if like yourself, you're only 18, 19 years old and you're just starting out, um, get a credit card with your parents, have them co-sign it cause you'll get a lower rate. Um, and their name's on it too. So if you don't pay it, they have to. Yeah. It's a win-win situation. It's, it's another win-win. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. So what's your favorite credit card right now? I am loving, absolutely loving the, Am the Amex platinum card. It's only a $600 annual fee. You get points for everything. I mean, might not add up to that $600 annual fee, but guess what? You look really cool swiping it at the store because you have an Amex Platinum card. Yeah. I mean, worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, and even if you get less money back, it's still free money. You did it's, nothing except for It's still free. The I mean, it's still free money. You're getting free money either way. You gotta spend yeah. money to make money. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, just that's just the way it is. Yeah, well, those five tips were great. Yeah, thanks I'm for so having glad. me on. I love sharing my knowledge with others. You yeah, know? you are like so smart. I want people to enjoy their lives. You know, I just want them to live in the moment, treat yourself, um, and you know, be happy. It's, yeah. it's what it's about. Yeah, especially with all the credit cards. That's, exactly. That's really the only way to go. It, so. it really is, it really is. Thanks for realizing that. Yeah. So thank you for turning in to Ways to Waste Your Money. We'll be back in just a bit with Elizabeth Dawson. Welcome to Ways to Love Your Money. I'm Elizabeth Dawson and I have my co-host here today, Mr. Jonathan Olo, our resident real estate expert. Uh, but you can kind of see that today's show has been a little bit hijacked on ways to waste your money, which is definitely not what we want to talk about. But we're going to talk about this kind of funny show that uh, two of my employees did today. And just to kind of get uh, some some voice out there to the millenniums and the millennials and the millennialettes, you know. So uh, what do we do here? What are we talking about? Uh, some of the things that Steven spoke about, about being this expert, if you will, about credit cards and everything lifestyle is about credit cards. Jonathan and I are going to kind of talk about these things because we want to break these myths, but we don't want financial uh, awareness or mindfulness to be uh, laughed about. We want it to be something that you kind of empower and, and challenge yourself to become one of the success stories out there. So without... Uh, any more weight? Hello, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Good, Thank you. good. And I don't think it's just the millennials or <laughs> any particular age group. Sure. It really is. There are people out there that um, that just waste money, and we talk about it all the time right. about um, you know lost opportunities. Right. And that's really what we're going to talk about because you may think that it's a great thing for today, but you got to think about 10, 20, 30 years down the line. So, Well, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to a 30-something-year-old today. She's mm -hmm. 33, and uh, what was interesting about her, she said, well, we've just been living for today, you know, living in the moment, and we know that we need to be aware of these yeah. things. Uh, but yesterday, she and her, her significant other, they went to uh, the bar and spent $200, and she goes, yeah, that's a waste. She goes, I need to get some help. Yeah. I said, well, you're in the right place to get that help. So um, it's just kind of funny because we think about these things. We know that we're offending, you know, as far as uh, all the things that we should be following. Uh, but how do we become more mindful about our finances and do a better job, uh, you know, just because our future will come yeah. up and it will creep yeah. up on us. And, you know, my next birthday, I'm not too excited about, but it's sure creeping up on me. Yeah. And it's amazing that uh, we don't think 
about the little mistakes that we make, yeah. but we want to enjoy life too. Yeah. So this is not a show about not being able to enjoy life. It's just about being more mindful. Well, being mindful about it. I mean, you can still do these things, mm -hmm. but just on a less frequent basis right. and right. knowing what, they, what the result would be. So since you're my real estate expert, yes, yes and we talk about mortgages for clients yeah. and what fits them the right way. Uh, Stephen talked about the 15-year mortgage so he could pay yeah. off his, fast, his home faster so that he could actually have more money to enjoy for lifestyle, for travel, which is not a bad idea, yeah. no, it's, but maybe where the context was coming from, what, what do you think about that? Well, in theory, yeah. I mean, I think we all were taught by our parents mm -hmm. to pay everything off as mm -hmm. quick as you can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting a 15-year mortgage will work for an individual if they sure. want, but it usually is set up for people that may be a little bit further on in their career, knowing that when they retire, if that feeling is, mm -hmm. I don't want to have a loan, that's all based on a feeling. But if you look at the tax opportunities that will bring you more money, it's like trying to you know, explain my dad, you know, mm -hmm. get a loan, you'll make more money. He's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So, yeah. but you know, th there's people you can't change their mind, but you sure. know, th having that loan and having people like us consult with them mm -hmm. will give them their option. I'd mm -hmm. rather them know in advance that if you're gonna get a 15 year loan, that's fantastic, but here are the things that you could be doing with some of that money rather than throwing more money at your loan into the bricks and mortar. You have it working side by side. Uh, and realistically, first time buyers are gonna be in a house about seven years now. It used to be three to five years, now it's about seven to nine years. So why go get some loan that's not going to work for you because you know you're going to be moving. Well, I, I think it's great that you even brought up the tax aspect. I mean, we're not CPAs here, but we're going to cool. talk about that because even in Stephen's conversation here, it was about uh, you know doing your taxes yourself. Why waste money on a CPA? Yes. Which I always say there's a professional for everything. Correct. But even with that standpoint, usually as you more you know mature in, in your career life, you know mm -hmm. you're making more money. And if we have our home paid for by that time, it might be one of the best known deductions we have. Yes. We can't write off the dog and the cat. Yeah. And if we, you know, our kids are out of the house, what ends up happening? People come to me all the time saying, gosh, my biggest problem is taxes, but I don't know what else to do. I said, well, the one big thing that you have is that you're either gonna pay your mortgage or you're mm -hmm. gonna pay the government, right? Yeah. So it's having that conversation. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about maybe um, uh, the CPA. Sure. You know, the relationship or the enrolled agent or the, you know, the tax professional that can help someone because uh, I know when Stephen was talking about this, he was saying, well, gosh, if I'm, if I'm driving to work and it's gas or thinking about deductions that they can write off, yeah. you, you've got to be mindful of those things because yeah. if you don't do it right, yes, the IRS will be looking yeah. for you. So, and I think people are afraid to pay $300 to a professional to checks everything because who knows, they know all the current tax laws. Um, and where your deductions can be. So paying 300 might get you 500. So, you know, it's, it's just better. I know that people think they can do it themselves, but, you know, they pay a professional um, and stay out of jail. You know, it really <laughs> is. I mean, I know that you think that you're going to, you know, you can write all these things off and you're making that money. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you paid somebody 300, now you're not paying bail of $5,000 to get you out because, you know, you lied to the government. They'll find out. <laughs> and everyone's afraid of the IRS or the ta or yeah. the state coming after them if they have taxes that they have to pay. Yeah. But you know, you can go to fifty different tax professionals out there, and you might get fifty different answers. Correct. But they're definitely going to be different than the one individual that doesn't necessarily know what they're doing. Yeah. But there's many people that we talk to that are do-it-yourselfers that are doing their own tax return. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just about make sure that you're getting all your facts checked 
so that you don't get in trouble with the IRS or yeah. do something called tax evasion and end up yeah. going to jail. <laughs> there you go. There's 20000 you just spent. Right. But you got your coffee, didn't you, Stephen? You know? <laughs> he got his coffee. So yeah. let's bring up the coffee topic then. Yeah. Because he was saying that, gosh, you know, go, to, go get coffee every day because you don't want to be late yeah. for work if you make coffee at home. And uh, why save the money now? Because, you know, it's, it's uh, in mm -hmm. the moment. And, boy, it could be very social for me to go to the, to the coffee shop and get my, uh, my, my daily addiction. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people do it just because it's routine. Mm -hmm. um, I think it probably takes more time to stand in line and read off some name of a coffee with soy and whatever it is where you could have just had it at home. And you right. know, to me, it's different. But, you know, other people use it as a social outlet. But sure. we talked about there's nothing wrong with it. It's just knowing that every day, you you know, it's not a dollar a day anymore. No. It's now no. four ninety five. I went to this place for coffee just because there was nothing where we were staying and you know it's nine dollars oh my gosh it's yeah like nothing special so well it could be an average of 10 to 15 dollars a day yeah. and that habit starts to build yeah. up you know some yeah. awareness you know if you think about this i think we did a a video on this about a year or two maybe two ago uh about uh, about the average cost of you know the the favorite coffee shop yeah. addiction right anywhere from 1500 to 2500 dollars a year Gosh, if you could have invested that over your lifetime, you know what would you be recovering? And I think that in our statistics, it was something like thirty to forty thousand dollars that they re they could recover if they put that in a better yeah. investment. Uh, so they were mi more mindful of it. I don't want people to give up their coffee habit and that social behavior, yeah. but it shouldn't be part of your everyday. everyday do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people out there probably could admit that they do this every day yeah. and well, sometimes on the weekends twice. Yeah, and they go and their barista knows their name. They know exactly <laughs> what they want because they're in there every single day. And they get right. to use that card and swipe it and uh -huh. get points. And then they get free lattes. And then they're buying the bagel <laughs> and the cream cheese. And, you know, so, so again, it's great as a, as a you know, a, a present to yourself. But, you know, having a present every day, you know, mm -hmm. unless, you know, you've got somebody taking care of you and you don't have deep pockets but, sure if but you're still, worth billions of dollars you yeah. know but I, I would say the wealthier people are much more stringent about I these things they that's are. because yeah. they become wealthy they yeah. that that they didn't do these things yeah. right yeah. Uh, so you brought up points and Stephen talked a lot about points and credit cards and oh my gosh which yeah. you know that this is a big contention with me because I am not credit card based for any of the planning that we do for our clients nor myself and you know when I see this it's uh, you know yes lifestyle can be handled on a credit card but not for long uh, and if you don't keep your job, um, then how are you going to pay for that? Uh, I, years ago, I had someone that I spoke to, and it was at a, a car dealership, and she said, well, you know, if I became disabled one day, I could just actually use my credit cards to get me through that disability. Really? Wow, how long would that last? You don't have a job, your income stopped, and now things are happening. But boy, don't forget to get those points, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting topic. Yeah. But again, it, it we don't want to have... Uh, multiple credit cards for people. We really don't because we want you to have a better relationship with money. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a cash relationship with your bank account and you see what's happening there, if you don't have the money, don't spend it. Uh, yes, we could talk about mortgages where we have to finance those things because not not everyone out there has two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars laying around that they could actually buy their first home with or second home or anything mm -hmm. like that. So we have to get those things financed. But that's kind of the good debt. The bad debt is the credit card, right? Yeah. So what would you say about the points and uh, everything else that Stu was well, talking they, about? Well, they are enticing. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, I have a credit card and some have points and one goes to Costco. So I'm using the card anyways, but, 
you know, I grew up in a pretty disciplined house and I have a zero credit, I mean a zero credit card balance. So, okay. you know, when I use those, and not that I'm fighting your way, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm cognizant of what that is and sure. I know what I have in my account, but most people use that piece of plastic, right. you know, as, you know. Uh, it's just part of the, their just, daily living. Yeah, daily living. So let so. me ask you this question because this is going to be more about your relationship with money. Okay. okay, so if your relationship with money, if you're using that credit card and you know what you're doing, and I do know that you come from a very disciplined house, but not many people do. So from, let's say, two years ago to, to today, mm -hmm. even though you're paying that credit card balance off every month, okay. are the expenses more expensive than they were two or three years ago? Well, if I could buy a house with a credit card, then I'd say yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I can't say yes or no. I'll have to say for the show, mm -hmm. yes. Okay. <laughs> so your audience well, is... Well, so this is what we talk about because in most situations, people will say, well, I pay off my credit card every yeah. month, which I think is fantastic. But what's the suffering part is that the... every year, those expenses each and every month because of inflation... Uh, because everything gets more expensive, the, the, the dollar amount that they have to pay off that next month is higher than it was last year. It's higher than the year before that. It's higher than three or five yeah. years ago. So what does that do? It kind of stops us in our tracks from being able to save and be more mindful for yeah. you know the emergency fund that we need or for uh, the lifestyle that we want to have based on cash versus credit or really the suffering of mm -hmm. the discipline of not being able to put enough money away for retirement. Yeah. So if you agree with me, then I know probably other people agree with me on this because that's always a stumper for people. Yeah. Because I say, you know, a couple years ago, how much was that daily balance that you're paying off every month? Oh, it wasn't as much as it is now. So no. we, we our, our savings get smaller. Our ability to save gets worse. Mm -hmm. But yes, we're being mindful that we don't have any credit card debt. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else that you can bring up from the conversation that, uh, you know, Rachel and Stephen had just a few moments ago that we can maybe myth bust about? Uh, I think about the, you know, the spending and uh, just the idea of the coffee thing and, and all of that, that your everyday life is, mm -hmm. um, again, it, it's not just to a certain group of people because I have clients that would prefer to have the lifestyle than to have the home. And they've actually come, you know, came back, they find out what their mortgage payment is, and we say, okay, these are the things you need to do to make sure that you get into this comfort zone, and they're unwilling to do it because it has been a habit for so long. Right. Um, yeah, sure, there's student debt and things that you can't really get rid of immediately, but the lifestyle of even saying to me, we go out to dinner every night, we're not willing to give that up. And so, you know, I go out to dinner and sometimes it's $7,500 and it's like, wow, if I did that every day, you know, it, it would, it well, would bang, it, it would, it would it's put It's interesting me in that you bring that up too, because the, the case study from a client scenario that we're going to talk about on mm -hmm. this show is really about where did all the money go? Mm -hmm. So we do something called a found money report, as you know. And that found money report comes to, uh, to uh, basically to fruition once we go through the cash flow and we look at the analysis and see where maybe some of those lifestyle habits are mm -hmm. not willing to give up. But what are we giving up in our future? Because we want to have the same lifestyle when we get older. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not willing to give that up. Yeah. And, you know, if we do have a financial gap in our monies when we get closer to retirement, then we're going to be feeling like a lot of Americans do today that they can't retire. Yeah. Right. And, and like Stephen has said, he thought it was, you know, a work related expense. There are people like mm -hmm. myself and you that can justify a meeting and, and certain things that you do sure. because it is a marketing, it is promotion, it is client sure. Sure. services. But if you're 
just going to work nine to five, most likely you're not a consultant and you know and that kind of thing. So again, you're gonna get yourself in trouble and you have a bar tab of two hundred dollars, you go, I'll just put that right on the you <laughs> put know, it right on that card. Because as somebody has said is you don't own you don't own the liquid you're drinking, you're just renting it for a period <laughs> of time. So that's funny. <laughs> but you got your points. But you right? got your points. <laughs> And that's one of the pieces, yeah. too, because everyone thinks, gosh, I could put, you know, things on my credit card so I get the points or I get the cash back. But think about this. You know, you can have, um, let's say, rewards for different airlines out there. You know, I have Southwest, you know, United, American, all those. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a credit card to get those miles. But when people come down to, you know, the, the brass tacks with it and they say, well, I'm going to use my points to travel and do what I want to do. Well, how much did it cost you to get there? hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes, you might be spending it, but I think it's almost encouraging people out there today that they want to spend more so that they can get that plane ticket, but they still have to pay you know, some kind of fee for that plane ticket. Uh, I remember talking to some clients a couple years ago about they wanted to do a country card, uh, I'm sorry, country club uh, fees on their credit card. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story, no, but no. it was about $1,000 a month, but the uh, country club wanted to charge them 3% on every time they purchased, which 3% on $1,000, 30 bucks. Yeah. And they wanted to use their you know, Southwest credit card to do this. And the interesting thing was, I said, well, where are you going to use those miles? And how many miles do you need to have to be able to you know, take care of the trip? And how many points are you going to get? So if it's $1,000 per month, that's $12,000 in a calendar year, that would give them 12,000 points. So one of my first questions was, well, how many points do you have to have to be able to get a trip to San Francisco? Like 25,000. Yeah, well, they had told me at the time, but it's probably more today. Yeah. It was about 17,000 miles that they would need. And I said, well, even after one year, we wouldn't have enough miles. And I said, let's just do some simple math, because what would it cost you to actually fly up to to uh, you know, San Francisco, $79. yeah, seventy-nine dollars, hundred dollars, hundred twenty. You get these deals all the time, and I said, well, thirty dollars a month times twelve months is three hundred and sixty dollars. Oh my gosh, if we just were mindful that we saved the three hundred and sixty dollars, you could have had two flights, yeah, and you wouldn't have had to put it on a credit card that maybe you overspend lifestyle and just to try and get those points and everything else. So don't think points are free. <laughs> don't think all these Nothing. you know uh, chargebacks or any kind of cashbacks are free because we're spending the money to get them and we're probably encouraged to spend a little bit more so we can get a little bit more. But think about it because those are lost opportunity costs. Those are lost opportunity dollars and maybe it could help you buy that dream home yeah. or maybe it could help you save you know, m- you know, mindfully for that dream vacation so you can still have that lifestyle. Or maybe you could save the money just so that you can go out to dinner every yeah. night if that's so what you want to do. Uh, what are the things that are most important to yeah. our youth and our and our more maturing population? We want to have the yeah. same same continuous lifestyle and you know be be more wary of uh, inflation because it's only going to get more expensive out yeah. there. Would you agree? I do, and yeah. I think that it's good that we have these examples because even though you can choose that, but it, it, again, get educated right. Right. doesn't mean it's bad. It just yeah. means you're making a conscious choice about. Right what you're doing in your life. And when we talk about so. these things, we know that change is hard, right? <laughs> Financial mindfulness is is difficult yeah. because it's very easy to just do things the way we've been doing it. If it was always easy and we could actually make, you know, our, our wealth over our lifetime, then we do it that way. But it's harder to save money. Yeah. It's harder to, you know, create the retirement assets that we feel that we need because of this whole lifestyle piece over here. Like I always say, even in the book, Wealth by Design, I talk about we do business with 
you know, the government, we do mm -hmm. business with banks, we do business with financial institutions, and our biggest one that we do business with is all the lifestyle choices that we have. Yeah. So whatever's left over, oh my gosh, sometimes it's not much. Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> so your relationship with money, we've been talking about yeah. money with you for a long time, but I think that you have a different type of relationship with money just because of how you were raised. Yeah. And do you want to give any kind of encouragement or thought processes that you might have had that have helped you become more successful? I think just being diligent about what you're spending. I mean, we all, when, when, I, when I grew up, you know, <laughs> I walked 20 miles through the snow. <clears throat> I grew up in San Diego. So, you know, we, but we all had paper routes. So we sure. learned really early. We had to do, we had to collect the money. We had to go through. We had checking accounts. I think when we were, you know, 10 years old. Mm. So we had wow. to keep all of those books and everything in the register. And my mom would check and make sure that everything was there. Today, you know, I'm a little less lax on that. And I'll tell my mom, well, yeah, if I'm close of $100, she's, John, what are you thinking? And I go, Ah, you know, in the scheme of it, it's not like having $10 in there, but, sure. but having that basis of, um, of doing that. And a lot of people don't have that discipline, um, but it really isn't about discipline. It's, it's about um, having a good relationship with money. You know, because, right. uh, you know, there's times I'll splurge. I go, because not that I'm cheap, I'm a little more frugal, but, mm -hmm. you know, then I'll end up, you know, buying a house somewhere. And, mm -hmm. You know, you're, oh, you won't spend $25, but you'll go buy a house for, you know, $450,000. I go, well, you know, it's... Well, it gives it, you the privilege to be able to say you can. Well, that because of what I did, I can. And uh, the programs that we're in, I can, just, you know, I can take money out and right. go buy something. Right. You know. Oh, and that reminds me of one oh, last no. topic that Stephen yeah. brought up in the, in the uh, previous show, Ways to Waste Your Money, about life insurance and that, oh, oh. my gosh, just spending no more than $50 a month for your life insurance because, gosh, you're not going to be able to use this money or spend this yeah. money or uh, why, why make some beneficiary, uh, you know, wealthy versus yourself. Yeah. So we know on this show that we don't yeah. feel that way about this, but maybe you can actually talk well, from I mean, experience. Well, I mean, most people think only term insurance. Right. And, you know, they, oh, what a waste. I may be dead anyways. And, you know, somebody's going, why am I spending money on my in-laws or family who's going to, you know, inherit my money? But there are other programs that you can invest that like we were talking earlier, it, it is a life insurance program mixed with other as, you know aspects of it. Mm -hmm. um, my whole life is what I right. Have. You have I, you have permanent whole life insurance. Yeah, I have yeah, permanent whole life, so I can actually go into my account and borrow from it if there's an emergency. Of course, I'm going to pay it back right uh, when I can. But that bank, uh, because in the early days of 14 years ago, you were teaching me about right. creating your own bank. So mm -hmm. really in the last, I don't know, four or five years, I've gone, oh, I'm going to go to the bank of me, sure. you know, and pay myself back. And you've been in a position where you can take that liquidity without penalty. You're not 59 and a half yet, so it doesn't have to deal with any kind of ERISA or retirement plan yeah. status. But you can actually take that money and you have in the past actually purchased homes with that because of opportunity times. It's like having a, you know, instead of going somewhere and getting a bridge loan, that's my bridge loan. That's the opportunity that I could come in and maybe beat out a couple more buyers by saying, I'm going to take out X amount of dollars. And, and you got cash. And I got cash, you right. know, competing against an FHA buyer or somebody that's just putting a small amount of money down. Seller's mentality is if you got a lot of money, then you're going to, you know, you also not have more issues with appraisals. Right. So, right. Uh, that's a great point to have. So, what's the difference between term insurance? 
uh, which is temporary. It's kind of renting, kind of mm -hmm. like what you were talking about, yes. the liquid that you were drinking. It's only temporary. But uh, if, we, if we joke about these things, it's really kind of a serious topic because everyone has what we call a human economic value. So that's a big statement, right? Human economic value. So in your personal economics, you make so much money. And if you have a significant other, or if you have children, or if you have a spouse, or even if you have parents, like we've talked about in some of our other little mini episodes, that are, you know, they're counting on us for some financial help. How do we basically invest in ourselves and then build liquidity within that account and then be able to have the permission to spend that money and do it on a tax free basis? Sounds like a dream, right? Sounds kind of like a Roth IRA. But if you make too much money, you can't even cont contribute to a Roth IRA. So think of it like this, if you are making $100,000 of income per year and you've got 20 more years before retirement, your human economic value is about $2 million. That's kind of exciting to think about. But if we don't have $2 million saved, we're kind of in trouble. But that economic value is also what your family's codependent upon you on as well. So what we want people to have is kind of their cake and eat it too. You can have this human economic benefit, you can invest in yourself, but if you could actually spend that death benefit in your lifetime versus just giving it to someone else when you die, which is important, how much of that death benefit would you like to have? We would like to have as much as we can possibly get approved for. So if I have the right type of design for the right type of life insurance, I wanna be able to spend that death benefit tax-free over my lifetime and my retirement years, but along the way of accumulating that money, I wanna be able to use that money for opportunities of mm -hmm. buying a home, or maybe helping out your children with college, which I just pretty much almost finished with my son, and have those dollars available so that they're kind of a forced savings, because life insurance, when it was originally designed, was to buy permanent, you know, whole life insurance has been around for well over 350 years, uh, all the different types of insurance that you see now all started pretty much in the 80s, you know, term insurance, universal life insurance, there's various various amounts of different universal life insurance contracts. Uh, they were designed to be cheaper than whole life insurance, but it was a way for a gimmick to actually happen, kind of like Miles, mm -hmm. kind of like a gimmick there. But that gimmick actually is was uh, created by insurance companies to basically take the risk off being um, in the position that they had to pay those death benefits because term insurance less than 1% ever get paid out. And I recently heard mm -hmm. last week between 2 to 5% of all universal life insurance, that means indexed universal life, variable universal life, less than 2 to 5% of those actually ever pay out in a death benefit. But you know, if you're paying your whole life insurance, it's the only type of insurance that we can actually create to become less expensive or paid up over time. And you can use the money without the fear of it falling apart. And the majority of those, if you keep, if you kept your premiums up, they are guaranteed to pay your life insurance benefit when you die. But again, I like to talk about the aspect of its original design. It was to have that protection. And then when we got to retirement, we have all this cash there. And it's about turning that into an income annuity at that point. Well, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So all those dollars could create an income for me when I get to retirement. That's the key component. But along the way, we want to use it too. Yeah. So again, kind of busting that myth of term insurance, don't spend more than $50. Well, if you're going to invest in yourself and you could invest in yourself, yeah. how much would you invest in yourself if you could spend all that money during your lifetime? Create the opportunities such as it has for you. You know, I don't know how many pieces yeah. of property you've bought with your life insurance yeah. cash values. Do you even have any idea? Three or four. Three or four? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty incredible. 
you know, business owners use it too as like a line of credit yeah. if they need to to leverage for their business. Correct. Yeah. Or it's sometimes used in retirement plans too. So uh, there's a lot of conversation here, and there's probably mm -hmm. a lot of questions that you might have. So I'm going to encourage you to give us a call at 619-640-2622 to be able to set up a consultation with me to answer all those questions for you. But in addition, um, we're going to come back in just a moment here. We're going to take a little little break, and I'm going to talk about uh, a client case study that that uh, I think is pretty powerful for you to see because this is this is a single woman um, that's a that's a single mom and just finding all the money that she can actually create these dollars to be able to invest in herself and and uh, you know really create a better lifestyle for her and her and her children. And I bet you will supply a cup of coffee for somebody that comes in here on that <laughs> consultation. I sure you? will. Okay. I sure will. And it'd be a lot cheaper than your you know your favorite. Uh, <laughs> coffee, ha you know, yeah. bad habit, but yeah. that's okay too, because we want to have a social environment here as well. Thank you so Thank much you for being for here. here again. It's been a pleasure. This has been a fun, a fun segment we'll to do. we'll find other ways to waste money in another episode. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I think we I should continue to do that. I have a whole list we didn't do get you? to use. Oh yes. gosh. Well, I made that list. So. <laughs> well, we'll have to have okay. that feedback coming to us and right. we'll start to create more ways to waste your money. But again, hopefully this ways to love your money segment is actually about a you know relationship with money. So you have a better relationship with money and you can create success stories in your future. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait. This is the time to call or even send us questions at questions with an S at Elizabeth with an S Dawson.com. Hi, welcome back to Ways to Love Your Money. This is Elizabeth Dawson and I am going to talk about our case study. And this is a single woman that basically was renting an apartment in the San Francisco area for many years. Uh, she's making a great living at $130,000 per year, but it wasn't enough for her to be able to purchase that median sized home in the, in the you know, proper of San Francisco. So uh, what she was looking at was, how do I actually buy my first home? So we went and looked for all the found money that we could actually invest in her and let alone put into savings so she could actually have a down payment for that, that home that she wanted to purchase. So in her scenario, she had a Roth IRA contribution was $100 per month, $1,200 per year. We weren't considering that a lost opportunity cost, but what we wanna do is identify where those dollars were going because before she got that final raise, she was still able to contribute and prior to that, no longer. So then, she was also paying, you know, an additional portion of $925 on rent that she actually sublet her current apartment out to be able to start to save that. We said, if you just absorb that into your lifestyle, that's over $11,100 more in your lifestyle per year. And basically for her to get to age of retirement, um, $774,000 would be lost if she didn't really start to recognize that as a dollar saved. So then we went into, uh, she's putting more money into TIAA craft savings. Not a bad place to put money, but about $200 or $2,400 a year. This was an after-tax position that she was putting money into. And uh, we wanted to decide if she couldn't use that until 59 and a half, how much money is potentially there for her to use or potentially lost if she didn't do it, which was about $167,425. Then we had 403B contributions. Again, not a loss. This is something that she was doing for her retirement future. And she's in a position too where she's actually going to be able to have a pension. So we talked about this and that was about $624.48 per month and about $7,500 per year. Again, not a loss because it's gonna help her with her retirement plans. Uh, but again, where, where was the liquidity gonna come from to, for her to invest in herself and then also into that best investment and then also into that home that she wanted to purchase? So she was doing some things called accidental death and dismemberment, uh, $33 a month, which is kind of pricey at about $396 per year. 
a lost opportunity cost for her to retirement. So she's in her mid thirties, you know, $27,600. That's a lot of money to lose. The accidental death and dismemberment, you have to understand that's a very small percentage of people will actually have that paid out to their estate. It's within certain definitions, so look at it. The reason it's so inexpensive is because the likelihood of it actually ever paying out is so small. You have better chances of winning the lottery than that paying you. Again, groceries, 1,082. This was over and above what she was spending. She's spending about $1,800 a month in groceries because she wasn't just paying for herself, she was paying for her loved pet, which I love her to death, but again, it was very expensive. So we left about $800 in her budget for that. For a single gal, that should be quite enough. Uh, so $1,082 per month or $12,984 per year, that's over $904,000 for her to get from her mid-30s to age 65. Would you rather recover some of that cost? I would hope you would say yes. Uh, she did a lot with Lyft because at the time she was basically kind of going through the city and uh, needing that expense there instead of maybe taking the train when she was basically going to commute from her new home. But uh, $325, again, we don't think it's a very big expense until it actually adds up. It's more than a car payment in some cases. $3,900 a year or, again, that 30-year period of time ahead, about $271,000 worth of lost opportunity cost. Remember that we do business with our lifestyle. Lyft is part of our lifestyle. Are we willing to give that kind of wealth to Lyft or to Uber, whoever, um, just because we want the convenience of not driving a car? I don't know. It's not for everybody, but you need to be aware that these dollars could actually be happening to you. Miscellaneous stores, this was just kind of splurging and doing some other things, but $647 per month, that's a lot of money. Again, over $7,700 per year and $541,000 over the next 30 years. Uh, fees, she was paying an enormous amount of fees on credit cards, bank accounts, things like this. $567 per month was her fees. Can you imagine? That is a huge portion of your you know, economic income that's coming into your life to be able to, to be able to use that. Uh, but it's all going to fees, other companies that don't deserve to have your money. Again, $6,800 over the year, $474,000 over 30 years, which is hard to believe. And then optional life insurance, which was that temporary term insurance that has 1% less chance of actually ever paying out, but you want it because it's cheap. That was $11.22 per month. And again, $134.64 over the year. Uh, kind of on our ways to waste your money, they were saying, well, don't overspend for your life insurance. Well, here, that's something where more than likely it will never pay out. But when it does pay out is when we actually retire. So we need to think about these things. So in total, we found about $5,608 per month for, from this gal's financial profile. She's making $130. So remember, $5,608.84 times 12 is $67,306.08. Now, what we wanna do is find out what the lost opportunity cost of all these dollars were at a 5% rate of return. So this means if you could have put that money each and every year into your best investment at 5%, that's about $4,083,000 in change that you would be losing. This is happening every day to individuals out there, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether in your relationship, we are giving away lots of money to these extra expenses that we don't need to do. And out of that 5608, do you think we could have created somewhat of a mortgage for her? The answer is the success was, was there. We started to actually pay down credit. We started to save. She started to invest in herself about $1,200 per month into her, into her well-designed permanent life insurance contract. And then she had about you know $4,800, $4,900 left over that she could actually absorb into a mortgage. 
We didn't want a mortgage that high. We wanted to still have savings ability. So her mortgage turned out to be about 2600 and the rest of the money saved started to go into a wealth recovery account. Remember what a wealth recovery account is. If you go to chapter five in my book, Wealth by Design, you'll actually see what a wealth recovery account is. Every dollar that's going to financial institutions, the government, to banks, to unnecessary lifestyle that doesn't need to go there, those dollars need to be saved, they need to be recognized, they need to be invested. So start to save in your wealth recovery account. Again, this is an average client that we see, believe it or not, we save anywhere from sixty dollars to $70,000 per client that we actually work with. I can't say that that's a promise for every single person listening out there because if you're not making enough money, we can't find that much. But even if you're making $40,000 or $50,000 or $60,000, there's always found money in your profile. We just have to look at the cash flow. So think about this. Do you want to lose that $4.1 million over your lifetime before you get to retirement? Do you want to lose it all, save part of it, or save it all? How much of that money do you want to recover? That's the question you have to ask yourself today. How much money do you want to recover in wasted money that's been leaving your life each and every day and have a better, more mindful position in education about your money and where you are? You want to recover as much of that money as you possibly can because guess what? You'll get to spend it over your lifetime in a very long retirement to come. So if you have questions about this because you want to see what your found money report looks like, give us a call at 619-640-2622 and we will make that appointment for you so that we can actually find all the dollars that are you know, leaving your world each and every day and we can recover those dollars into your wealth recovery account to make a better impact for your future. The information provided in this show is for informational and educational purposes only. This show is not investment advice, nor is it intended to address the financial needs of any particular viewer. The opinions expressed on this show are not intended to be an endorsement of any particular investment strategy or service of any other kind. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned throughout the show. Before acting on information in this show, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular situation and strongly consider seeking advice from a financial advisor.